Butler has it wing right for three. It was halfway down. No, Chris Paul has the rebound. Back to DeAndre. Oh, baby, look out below. DeAndre Jordan loiters above the cup and spikes it through. And DeAndre now with 11 points and six rebounds. 60 to 34 Clippers on top by 26. We continue here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. I, Tim Roy, a special invitation for Warrior fans. Your chance to meet the great Jerry West, the logo. He's the featured guest at KMBR's Dinner with a Legend, hosted by Tom Tolbert. It's next to Thursday, January 10th at the City Club in San Francisco. So make sure you check it out at KMBR.com. Uh, joined by the voice of the L.A. Clippers, Brian Seaman. And Brian, the last night uh, ball game, I'm sure that... Uh, your fans would have liked to have gone a different way. But the, the good thing about last last night's game was it was a great feature between the Warriors and Clippers who have been down for so long. Uh, teams now 1-2 and two in the Pacific Division. And it did have a, a little bit of a, of a playoff-type atmosphere at Oracle last night. I mean, the whiteout was special. And even when the Clippers were terrible, even when the Warriors weren't very good, <clears throat> That was always a great place to play. And as you've seen it, uh, the fans come out there in droves. But basketball is back in the Bay Area. And as I was telling you, uh, you know, when, the, when they last played, you know, these two teams in my mind are built to last, you know, at least last for more than a season. And I don't think that's been the case, certainly not with the Clippers. You know, back in 2005, 2006, they got Sam Cassell. And I felt like they'd only be as good as Sam was. And that turned out to be pretty accurate. And now they've got guys in their prime and they're ready to go forward here. Um, for the long haul, and I kind of feel that same way, you know, about the Warriors. It's, it's a fun environment. You know, I was concerned about the game last week, let alone last night, uh, and I'm concerned about the game on, on Saturday. The Warriors do uh, the three-point shooting as good as anybody in the league, and the Clippers are still trying to figure out a way to defend the perimeter, and i got to be honest, I couldn't have been less surprised with the result last night, but it'll be an interesting game on Saturday when the venue changes. Well, no, no doubt, and I think that, that the Clippers have a player on their roster, and, and I think there's only about five or six of them in, in the entire association who is truly feared, and that's Chris Paul, because uh, he just has this tremendous will. And give me a couple examples of what you've seen with him this year and, and in the previous year that makes him such a special player. The best story that I can, I can tell you is one that was documented a little bit, but if you didn't follow the series, you wouldn't know about it. The Clippers are down 27 points in game one against Memphis, and it, it was the Sunday game, and it was literally the last game played you know, in the first round for opening weekend. And to give you a bit of a history that weekend, it was, this, it was just 24 hours after you know, Derrick Rose tore his ACL in a game that appeared to be over. And many people say that he shouldn't have been out there. Uh, I didn't see the game to get a feel of it. But here you are. You're down 27 in Memphis to game one with a team that's never been there. I'm saying literally in the second quarter, chalk this one up to experience. Let's get them out in the third quarter. Let them get their minutes in and then, then pull them out for the fourth. And Chris Paul, the whole time in the second half, is telling Vinny, we're not coming out. We're not coming out. Vinny has to give Chris a breather to start the fourth quarter, and, and Chris goes ballistic. Like, he is furious at Vinny and saying, you put me back out there right now. I mean, seriously, they're down 27 points. Vinny says, okay, I'll put you back in there. And he says, you wait. You just wait before I come out. You wait. And, and all of a sudden, you know, 27 goes to 21. I'm still thinking, uh, I get it. I appreciate the, huff, the hustle and the effort, but it's just not going to happen. 
21 goes to 15, then to 9, then to 6, to 3, and then the Clippers take the lead. And, you know, there was a lot of people that chipped in on that, but I think it was Chris Paul's infectious attitude, his refusal to lose and accept that that's going to be part of the equation on some nights. That's the best story. And I think that was really a game that turned the, the culture around in that locker room. And now they go into every game thinking that they can win. And it's a big part of Chris's uh, persona, his makeup, and what makes him so terrific. Yeah, it was really a special night. I remember watching that game, and I, I actually turned it off for a while. And when I turned it back on, it was about down to 15. I said, whoa, hang on, i got to check this out here. And then, of course, Nick Young starts going crazy. And it was, it was, that, was a, that was a lot of fun. Let, let's talk a little bit about the, the – um, the you know the the moniker Lob City, it just seems that when they get a couple of uh, of dunks, that that's you know like, like the Warriors it might be a three point shot, but with with the Clippers it seems if they get a couple of dunks it just seems to energize their entire roster. You know I think Alvin Gentry said it best at the beginning of uh, you know the season. He said the dunk for these guys is worth more than two points if they get one highlight play. You know, these guys are tight-knit, so the, the bench is jumping up, the guys on the floor are celebrating, and it, I really do believe, I agree with you, it, it is worth more uh, than just two points. It really energizes and galvanizes the squad. You know, when, and when it happens to a guy like DeAndre Jordan, who's an energy player, it translates to his defense as well. So when DeAndre gets off the good starts, he's typically been a force, not just a factor, but a force in the game. And I think, though, the coaching staff always tries to find ways to get him involved early. Uh, but it is, it is a special time when those guys start throwing the ball at the rim. The Celtics saw it right before you guys beat them at your place. I mean, it was, uh, it was an impressive performance. Uh, but they've done it in both ways. They've won games where they've grinded it out as well. But they certainly play their best when they're forcing turnovers and getting those transition lobs and getting the crowd in or out of the game, you know, if they're on the road. Brian Siemens, our guest, the voice of the L.A. Clippers, Warriors and Clippers on Saturday. Uh, last night in the locker room after the game, uh, the Clippers, almost to a man, talked about missing Karam Butler. Why is he so special uh, for this team? Well, he's, he is the epitome of toughness for sure. I think everybody kind of rallies around his toughness. I don't think the results are going to be that different from last night with Karan, and I love him. Um, but, you know, it kind of the, the rotation was different for the Clippers, you know, with Matt Barnes being in the starting lineup and Warrior fans know what a warrior Matt Barnes is, but he's best suited on this team coming off the bench and trying to slow down a hot hand. So I think it messed up the rotation a little bit, but Karan has been playing, you know, terrific basketball over the past week, had six three-pointers the other night, in fact, six for six against Utah to close out the, you know, calendar year. Uh, he's just a good wing defender. He's a tough-minded guy, and I think, much like Chris's refusal to lose, I think people rally behind Karan. You know, Karan broke his hand in game one against Memphis, and everybody thought he'd be out until at least the second round. Well, he missed game two, and then he was out there for game three, and I think that really inspired the locker room, and everybody knows that that guy's there to win. Last night, Blake Griffin takes a tough fall on a, a, a foul by Festus Azili. Is he okay? He seems to be okay. I talked to the training staff afterwards. They were surprised there wasn't a knot on his head. Uh, he gets thrown around a lot. I mean, you have to foul him hard, and he's, you know, he's not as big as Shaq was, so he's big enough where he's going to feel some of those hard fouls. Uh, but to his credit, you know, everybody was worried about his, and I knock on wood as I say this, you know, after his rookie year that became, you know, obviously wiped away with the knee injury, people were concerned. He's never missed a game. He has not missed a game since he started playing 
Let's hope that streak continues, obviously. But he's a tough kid. He really is. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Jamal Crawford and, and Jared Jack, two guys that, that you know both franchises feel that have to be in the talk for six man of the year. And uh, I had a brief, you know, uh, I guess exposure to Jamal Crawford when he was with the Warriors, albeit the team wasn't very good. But, but I tell you, there are moments when he just gets it going, and it's almost like he is in a different mental state of mind. You know, he'll hit a couple of shots, and then you know the next three or four are going down. It doesn't matter if there's a guy there. It doesn't matter where that shot's coming from. It's going to go in. I mean, he, he's incredible that way. He is off the charts. And I think, you know, because of his reputation, and he doesn't, you know, it isn't just a reputation. I mean, it's, it is fact. You know, there'll be nights when you're right. He just he has an out-of-body experience, and those nights happen probably once a week, I would suspect, whether it's for five or six minutes, or we've seen it this year for you know every minute that he's played. But because he has a reputation, he still influences the game, whether he's making shots or not. No coach wants to let him get going. Nobody wants to see him hit a couple of shots in a row because uh, that's just going to turn on the spigot, and it's going to be hard to turn it off. I mean, he is terrific. His handle is as good as anybody uh, you know, in the NBA. And, you know, I made the comparison last night to, you know, Jared Jack and Jamal Crawford impact the game. They're both outstanding players, but they might be on the opposite sides of the spectrum. You know, Crawford can come in there and he can shoot you in a game, he can shoot you out of a game. But Jared Jack is a guy that is steady and he can hit the big shot just like Crawford can. He gets everybody involved. Uh, I think Jared Jack and, and Jamal Crawford, if you flip the coin, you put Jared's picture on one side and Jamal's on the other you flip the coin and wherever it landed I don't think anybody would complain if one of those two guys got you know six man of the year they're both deserving and it's going to be fun to watch them play the rest of the way oh, no doubt I mean we know that Matt Barnes another former warrior we know what he brings to the table I'm kind of curious to see what you think uh, down the road what Grant Hill and Chauncey Billups can bring to the Clippers you know Chauncey will the, the addition of Chauncey won't do anything to disrupt the rotation Certainly not the chemistry. Um, you know, Willie Green is a consummate pro. And Willie know, knows the situation. He knew the situation when he came here that he was going to basically be a placeholder, you know, until Chauncey got healthy. And that was kind of the case. Chauncey's played three games. Willie went from being a starter to not even getting off the bench in blowouts. And it's not a disrespect to him. I think it was more of a sign of respect from Vinny to say, I'm not going to just give you garbage minutes. The Grant Hill situation will be a great problem to have. That rotation in the small forward position will be interesting. I don't know, you know how they're going to get it done, and we don't know what Grant's going to be able to give you. My, my belief is they'll work him in in the regular season, try to get him some minutes, much like they did with Lamar Odom. Even though you know, at the beginning of the season Lamar came in out of shape, Vinny Del Negro I thought made a great decision to say, I've got to just throw him some minutes to keep him engaged. Five minutes here, six minutes there. I think you're going to do that with Grant. You want Chauncey and Grant in April, May, maybe June. I've said this all along. You don't need those guys in the first half of the season. It's just not where they're needed. They got they were brought here for their veteran leadership in the playoffs, and I think that's where they're going to come in. But I think Grant's not too far away, and I think Chauncey's kind of on his heels. There's no timeline because the Clippers have played so well. You know, it's almost like you guys, Andrew Bogut, as you and I were talking last night. Hey, look, you've got some pennies in the piggy bank. Let these guys get healthy. Let them come back at full strength and then kind of go from there. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. Now, now the Clippers play tomorrow night at home against the Lakers. 
Tell me a little bit about that game. I, I know it's got to be a big game for the fan base. How does the how do the players look at that? And then and then as we know it, sometimes the home back to back, even though it's not as stress stressful travel wise, that's kind of a that's kind of a tough back to back. I'm not I don't I don't know if I'm a big fan of the home back to back. I am certainly not a big fan of the home back-to-back, uh, more for the fans' sake than anything else. You know, the players for us all say the right things, that this is not a rivalry. Uh, there's no such thing as a rivalry until you've met in the second season, the postseason. I agree with that. But they'll also tell you that this game doesn't hold any other significance to it, and I disagree with that. There's just no way you can go in as a player and not see the banners hanging if you're a player, not see that you know, there's going to be a lot of Laker fans there tomorrow night. You can't feel that and just think, oh, no big deal. I think deep down these guys, from a social standpoint here locally, they want to make a statement. You know, despite their 17-game winning streak, you know, most of the headlines still belong to the Lakers and their struggles. Uh, And I think the Clippers know this, and I think deep down that will fuel their fire. But I do believe at the end of the day they are not all that concerned about the Lakers, and they're more concerned about their locker room. But you know, tomorrow night, you know, it is going to be a battle. It's going to be intense. And, uh, you know, for whatever struggles the Lakers have had, I'm still of the belief, and maybe I'm becoming more and more in the minority, I still think they're going to turn it around. And, you know, should they make the playoffs, I mean, they're still going to be a tough out. To beat those guys four times out of seven uh, will be a difficult task for anybody. But tomorrow night will be the second matchup. It'll be the first time that we've seen it with Dan Tony. First time we saw him was with Mike Brown. Uh, obviously, a much different team then, and a little bit of a different team now. Although the results haven't been all that different, uh, it'll be a fun game tomorrow. The atmosphere is electric, but the needle is starting to go back to the Clippers' way. You know, two years ago, three years ago, it would be a home game for the Clippers, and I have to use that term in quotes because it was dominated by Laker fans. I don't think that's the case anymore. Brian, thank you so much for your uh, your help on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Look forward to seeing you again on Saturday. Safe travels, Tim. We'll see you on Saturday.